one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to try for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. The 0-2 pitch. Look at this. Struck him out. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. I am your host, Ty Daubert, coming at you with a new episode after the Phillies put together a pretty interesting week or so. It was a brutal set of series out West. They return home for one game, look to maybe start getting it back on track against the Marlins. I have Nathan Ackerman, my co-host here as always to get right into it. Nathan, you were at the Phillies disastrous series in San Francisco. You watched the one against the Marlins at home from home. What are you thinking right now with this team? Kind of take us through where you're at. I'm thinking it's largely my fault. You know, I was considering going out to Phoenix for the, let's see, that game was Wednesday, the finale against the Diamondbacks. I decided not to, they went 18 to two. Then I go up to the Bay for the weekend and they lose both games that I'm at there. And then what they did yesterday was we talked about this last pod, a continuation of the trend where like they'll do something for a week, either play super well or super poorly. And then right before we pod, they like play one game. That's the opposite. So like they have a terrible week and then they play a good game so that the pod isn't just us yelling at the Phillies the whole time, or they have a really good week. And then they lose to the Pirates six to one so that the pod is more even keeled. So they did that again. But, you know, that's just how it goes. Uh, It was fun. It was good to be there. The games were, you know, what they were. Uh, They probably could have won both of them, but they didn't. And here we are. Yeah. So I just wanted to ask you, what what did it feel like to be covering the games in against the Giants where – they really like could not do anything. The starters all looked bad and Phillies just completely overmatched for an entire series. Like what, what was that like? What was kind of the energy like um, from what you could see just your experience getting to, to see that up close? Well, first of all, it was, it was interesting being there. The, the second two games of the month of September, which we know what September has been for the Phillies in years past and seeing it unfold right there was kind of cool, but also it was kind of like predictable. Um, I think it was Saturday. It was like the sixth inning and I, and it was like five to four, the giants had just gone up five, four. And I just felt like, I feel like I know how this game's going to end. They're, they're going to lose five, four. They're going to threaten once or twice. So I just like wrote the whole game story then because I was like, this is, this is going to go exactly how I think it will. And Lo and behold, they lose five to four. And it was just kind of one of those weekends where they felt like when when JT Real Muto hit that three-run homer on Sunday, it still felt like they were losing, you know? Like it tied the game, the score was tied, but it just felt like they weren't going to win that game for some reason. And then, you know, they scored, they, they, they threatened three or four different times across the two games. They had a man on third with nobody out like twice or first and third, nobody out twice. And every time it was like, they're not going to score here. And I don't know. It was just one of those games where it felt like if they were losing by one, it felt like they were losing by four. If they were tied, it felt like they were down one or two and you know, they weren't going to win those games. So, but yeah, it was, it was definitely interesting seeing them, seeing what could be another September collapse and at the very least was something that made everyone fear another September yeah. meltdown. It put, was cool put people on alert was. at the very yeah, least. Yeah, put people on alert and they were definitely on alert. That's that's for sure. Were there any any moments that stuck out to you from that series? I would say there was one play in particular that was like it just kind of summed up how the whole thing went. When, when Bryce Harper got thrown out trying to steal second by Andrew Knapp by like five feet and then got tagged in the face, it was just like, all right, that's yeah. that's how this is going to go this weekend. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, and, Andrew Knapp, he, uh, did he get any hits? I Yeah, he had one hit to right field. Um, yeah, and he also he, had a sack fly. Started a, yeah, he started a, a, a rally that scored a run, and I think the he might have started the three-run rally against Suarez on, on Sunday. 
Yeah, and then he also just he got um designated for assignment on Tuesday. He did. yeah, he got DFA. So he, he literally got called up just so uh, he could like have a pretty good series against the Phillies. Like <laughs> and then he now he's off the he's off the roster again. Yeah. The the, the other thing about watching those those two games was uh Camilo Duvall watching him in, in person up close. That guy's nasty. Yeah. Like when he came into that game, I was like, well, they better hold him in the ninth because they're not going to score right here. And that was that was cool because I don't know, like 99 with the movement. And they their 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 press box is cool because it's like on the first uh like level of the stadium. Yeah. And and it's like right on behind home plate. So you can see like movement and and you can see, you know, pitch shapes and you can see when a guy's throwing a two seam or a cutter, and it's like that guy, dude is he's disgusting so yeah it was it was cool it's funny that their catchers for this series by the way were andrew knapp and, and austin wins who of course like wins was with the iron pigs the start of this year knapp was philly's backup catcher for a while and they both like did well against the phillies which is kind of funny storylines just write themselves you know who else did well against the phillies Rodon, the pitcher that they arguably should have traded for at the deadline, you know, who didn't do well, you know, a cinder guard, the pitcher who they did trade for at the deadline. Yeah, that's true. Kind of kind of writes themselves. Um, so yeah, so it was pretty much just a disaster that you got to see up close in San Francisco. And then they have an off day on Monday, and then Tuesday they have they start a series with the Marlins at home. And I think on Monday, based on you know, things you hear on like the radio or just what you see on Twitter, people after the giant series and the diamond series that came before it, people were like a little worried on Monday after, after Sunday. And like I said, it put people on alert, but I think by the time Tuesday morning rolled around, it was like, well, wait a minute, look at some of these teams they have coming up, starting with the Marlins and they have the nationals. And at least for a day, they did start to get a, back on track yeah sure yeah it was i mean it was against the marlins but it it was an important start for nola too because we we talked about this on the last pod and it's been the story around him for the last several years where not just the september thing but the whole being a stopper thing and i was kind of looking at that start like they need a stopper right now because they just had a disastrous west coast trip um, they needed to win that game against not a, a not very good team. And he came out and he pitched well. And look, I think the whole Monday meltdown, Sunday meltdown, Tuesday morning, if it lasted that long, it's justified. Like the team's yeah. done it. I, I don't care if it's the same players, if it's the same coaches, the same front office, whatever. They've done this for the last four years. And when you start a month the way that they did against a team that had lost seven straight, you're allowed to you're allowed to melt down like the, yeah. the, the the fan base to me has earned that that right so that doesn't mean like it didn't mean that it's for sure going to happen again this this year but like when it plays out like that and you see how they led in to the month by losing two of three to a not good uh team in phoenix like you're you're allowed to melt down and you're allowed to fear that but I mean, it doesn't mean that you can you ha- you have to be totally shocked if they go out and they win two or three from the Marlins because yeah. it's the Marlins. And and again, I I still think that this team is a superior team to the ones that have done that September collapse the last several years. Yeah, and so what it reminded me of, uh, um, like you said, it's there are moving parts every season, and not everything is the same. There are two managers removed from the season I'm about to mention. But at least for like one or two series, it felt exactly like how 2018 went, where for almost the entire season, they're starting pitching. um, And then in turn, the bullpen, because of it, was like really good and carried them for a long time. It it started with the starting pitching, what they were getting out of the starters this year and also in 2018 for most of the year. Think back like June 2018, how Eflin was during the summer, how Nick Pavetta and Vince Velasquez pitched at times. And then Aaron Nola was incredible almost the entire season that that carried them. And it led them to a spot where they were like 10 games over 500 heading into September. And when Nola took a step back and the rest of the starting pitchers came down to earth, the starting pitching wasn't there. And then because of that, the bullpen was also more taxed. And it on this on this road trip, 
the starters the starters could not do anything for mm-hmm. the whole road trip. They couldn't go deep into games. The only person who gave them anything was Bailey Falter, who's been pretty good as of late. Um, like you mentioned, Noah Syndergaard wasn't good. Wheeler's down. Nola had the blow up start in in Arizona. Like that's what it reminds you of. And it's, it's I don't understand some of the counters of like, oh well, it's different players. It's like, well, not there's still that yeah, there's a lot of turnover, but 2018 was kind of the year where it changed a little bit where the Phillies became more of like contenders. There's still some of the same faces, not as many as there used to be, but like Nola and Hoskins are kind of the faces of yeah, like when the team shifted into being like somewhat can playoff contenders. And as long as they're on the team, like people are going to lump all those years together, at least a little yeah. bit. Um, so that's what it felt like. And <laughs> these people, people follow this team. Like there's a lot of, they have experience with this and they can, they, they're hesitant to buy into a team because they've been burned by it a bunch of yeah. times. So I, I think Monday or sorry, Tuesday's game against the Marlins maybe calmed people down, but I still, like you said, I, I get if people are a little hesitant to, to buy yeah. all the way back in, like, it's so, going to be a thing. It's going to be a thing where it's like, people are not going to be safe until they have it locked up. So Rob Thompson talked about this before the game on Sunday. And I wrote a little bit, this a little bit on this for the site. He was talking about how he's a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. And I guess they have something where they haven't like gotten out of the first round of the playoffs in 15, 17 years, something like that. And he was saying it's it's a, the same kind of situation here because it's, you know, you have new players, new staff, new personnel, all that kind of stuff. And so so why why make a narrative out of something that there's too many variables, right? It was essentially his 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 message. And I think what I wrote about was I think there's there's it's true that two things can be true at, at the same time. One is that he's right. And this team is better than they've been for the last five years. The other thing is that a, yeah, the fan base is pretty much the same. They've been here for the last five years. They don't really care, but B I think that there's some, and maybe I'm getting too existential with this. Um, but I think that there's something to, I mean, we did half the pod last week about the like team of destiny vibes. So I don't think that's, that's a problem here, but I think that there's something to the whole, when you bring new, new, new guys in like Schwarber, Castellanos, whoever, like they know what the story for the last four years has been. They know that they've collapsed every single year. And even if they weren't a part of, of those teams, now they're a part of this team and they know what that's, what that's been like. And they know that this is a storyline that's followed the team for the last five years. And maybe that weighs on them. Maybe it's something where they're like, we need to be the ones to turn this thing around. Or maybe it's just, maybe it's just bad vibes. Like I I don't, I don't have a more scientific way to put it, but like, I do think that when you become a part of a team of a new team, like you don't, sure. You haven't been there doing the things that the team has been, you know, that that's been happening to that team for the last four years, but you assume some of the burden of just being a part of that team because you're now a part of that team. So I don't think that the fact that like the roster's new makes them completely immune to the collapse. I think it makes them more well-equipped to handle it, but I don't, I don't think that you can just say they're new players. So like, it's not a narrative that you can take that, that you can actually like consider. But again, at the same time, as I said, he is right that the roster is a lot better and that yeah. should help them this season. Yeah, it should. And also part of it, like aside from, vibe stuff for like if they're worried about this and worried about that and like the energy like also part of it is just that for like a week i like i just mentioned the starting pitching just like couldn't throw the ball over the plate yeah and they were walking people and they couldn't go deep into games and that like that's not a recipe for success or winning baseball games or winning series and like that they're banged up right now zach wheeler's out um Noah Syndergaard is is what he is. Kyle Gibson is inconsistent. He's in one of the stretches where he's not pitching that well. I think the biggest like like what the heck is going on here thing is with Ranger Suarez, who has been kind of falling off a cliff after the third inning recently. Yeah. And until like until the starters can just like throw the ball over the plate for 
six innings, it does. I don't like the energy stuff. Like barely even matters. Like some of it is just yeah. on the like execution. Aside from all yeah. this other stuff, and like that's what kind of made it work on Tuesday against the Marlins. Aaron Nola threw six and two thirds. He was really good against them, and that's what they're gonna need. Like in September, September has kind of been like the big thing for Aaron Nola. He hasn't had a ton of success, but. It was a home game against a pretty bad team in the Marlins, and he took took care of business, and it helped them, you know, earn a win. It was a little more dramatic than it probably needed to be, but yeah. they got it done. We can get I, into that game in a minute, then. I left Tuesday. I went to bed on Tuesday night last night. Okay, Sunday after the game, Monday after the game, even Saturday after the game, or Monday they didn't play, but you get what I'm saying. I think I would put myself in the meltdown city boat. I was like, they're going to blow this. It's happening again. You can see it unfolding right now. It doesn't look good. The starting pitching, all those kinds of things. I it, It's it's not good. I went to bed on Tuesday night thinking they might actually pull it out, kind of like reversing course, but it wasn't exactly because of what happened on Tuesday, which was they walked off against a not good Marlins team didn't really play a clean game, but they got it done. And more so about what the Brewers did to the Rockies, or namely vice versa, being that the Brewers had a six to one lead in the eighth. They blew that by allowing five runs in the in the eighth. Then they scored two runs in the top of the tenth, which seemingly is more than often enough to get the job done with the runner on second to start the frame. And then they allowed a walk-off three-run homer to lose. 11 to 8 I think it was to the to the Rockies at Coors Field last night and I was just watching that game like this team we talked about the like you know vibes and this team oh like the stars are aligning it's not happening for that team they're just they whether they're cursed or just not that good or a combination of the two I think we kind of at some point expected the Brewers to turn it around because they can pitch and they can blah 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 and they hit well enough but they're just not that good of a team. And so no. I, I I watched that game and I was like, if this is the competition that the Phillies are going to have, especially not just because last night extended their lead to three games, which is in effect four because of the tiebreaker, but just because of the team that they are, like, I don't know. I've, I was feeling a lot better last night because of partially what the Phillies did, but mainly what the Brewers did. Yeah, I think that's also, that's part of it, the fact that, not only do the Phillies have some easy teams coming up, they have an off day every Monday in September, which is which should be able to help some of these starting pitching problems that I mentioned, giving those guys extra rest. But the other teams they're facing are not playing great baseball. They are right now like virtually tied after after Tuesday night's win. They're virtually tied with San Diego for the second wild card spot but they have the tiebreaker over them and they are three games up on the brewers but it's effectively four like you said because of the tiebreaker so they're in a good spot that way and they just have to like i don't know they don't have to they don't have to like win out there are some there are some years past like i can remember 2019 like they had a big five game series in Washington, like near the end. It's like, well, if they can manage to like sweep this five game series, then they can come from behind and work their way into the division race. But it's like, no, they're like firmly in the spot right now. They're not playing that well, but neither are the other teams. And they don't have, they just have to keep, you know, they don't have to, they don't have to make any comebacks. I, I think is what yeah. I'm trying to say here. They don't have to make up ground. They just have to keep the ground that they have, which is a lot easier, especially when you have some weaker opponents coming up teams that you've had success with so far this season, like Washington, like Miami. So it wouldn't be the most shocking thing if like things just like really collapsed and maybe Tuesday was a one-off, but I think they're still in a good spot. I think they're in a good spot. Uh, yeah, I do too. I think I'm back to, I guess I wouldn't be shocked because shocked is, is a lot, but yeah, I mean, I think if, if I had to put my money on one team, it'd probably be them. You were also saying they, they have like 
or as you were also saying, they have basically every Monday off for the rest of the of the season now, which is huge when their problem on that West Coast road trip was the starting pitchers being cooked. So that can only help them. They don't play great teams. They play like three games in Atlanta, three games hosting them, three games against the Blue Jays. But other than that, it's like two more against the Marlins, then Nationals, then Marlins. They play the Cubs, Nationals later. They end in Houston, but in theory, ideally for them, that won't really matter. And ideally for them, the Astros will have locked up the one seed by then. So, yeah, I don't know. It, they're they're looking good. Again, this pod would sound very different if this was Monday. But they correct. have an extra game now, so yes, I think it's justified. Correct. Um, You know, this first game of the Marlins series, we mentioned how good Nola was. Kept, like, was it one run over six and two-thirds? Yeah. Um, they take the lead after they get kind of – bailed out by a home plate rule blocking the plate situation um they take the lead uh they end up giving up the lead in the eighth inning with brad hand on the mound but it doesn't matter the phillies walk it off so bryce harper hits a blooper to left field that should have been a routine out i think and it gets overran and harper didn't realize till late that it was gonna get down so he had to get on his horse, almost got thrown out at second. They walk JT Real Muto to get to Gene Segura. And Segura makes the pay, hits one to right field. They walk it off. But Segura, like, you could tell. This happened, I think, on opening day last year, too, yeah. where they intentionally walked somebody to get to Segura and he hit a walk-off. And then he, like, the way he reacts is just like, <laughs> it's so funny. Like he he was yelling. I don't know if like you picked up on this. You could read his lips. He like turned to the Marlins bench and like yelled "f you" at them. Yeah. Um. Like he doesn't. He doesn't. Like he can hit. He's always been able to hit. He doesn't like, you know, another team. He feels like he's slighted by it, and I, I understand that. I mean, if I'm also Don Mattingly, I probably set up the double play there as well me too I, <laughs> but that's 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 what i was thinking too like that was the right call like jake but but it's all it right was JT and, and really he's been on fire the, yeah he's been <laughs> yeah but at the same time i understand if you have to like they they didn't want they would rather face me than him so i'm gonna make them pay i i respect that it was a big celebration like he was amped up it was funny watching live on tv you could so the ball's in right field and then you just see the bat like fly into the air on the bottom of the screen <laughs> it's like wait is that, the, is that the bat he just threw it so high that the camera picked it up despite the fact that Segura was no longer in the screen like he wasn't in the shot anymore but the bat was and then it was like kind of a close play at home like, yeah <laughs> like he probably he um like almost a, a premature celebration there it could have been, but it worked out for them and it was cool. And I think, I think like the celebration um, part of it is like the feeling disrespected thing, like, Oh, they wanted to face me. But I think also part of it is like, they need, they needed that win pretty badly because it was getting ugly and, yeah. and Sarah coming through there. It was, it was a big moment and maybe like a, another turning point in the year where things started to go downhill, but they, they get things right. Also, like two weeks ago, you know how we were saying, um, maybe like three weeks ago, it was when they were playing really well, and then they dropped that last game against the Mets um, on the Sunday, I think. And Segura hit a go-ahead home run at one point, but then they blew it. And we were talking about like two of the same things we're talking about now. You're how the premature they, celebrations. No, how they like will do on one random game right before we pod, it's like changes like what we were going to talk about. And that game was like that. And then we were also talking about like, that probably would have been like Segura's like signature moment of his Phillies tenure. But yeah. last night, like might've been it. If they end up making the playoffs, like people are going to look back at that one. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those wins where like, okay. The, another one of another one of those, like two things can be true at once things. The three runs they scored in that game were, the bailed out call on the on the play at home plate, a ball, a, yeah. a walk off that probably shouldn't have happened given that Bryce Harper's double should have been a pop up, and Edmundo Sosa going four oh five off the foul pole. 
So <laughs> if we and they got bailed out in the in the top of the ninth too when uh Luke Williams, you think he would know of all people, stole second, tried to steal second with a 3-0 count um and one out, and he gets thrown out. It's not even close by JT. Where if he I, would go there, I would I would guess some like he he had to have gotten a sign there, right? Like, do you think Luke Williams as a pinch runner just has a free green light? Probably not. Okay, still. Either way, whoever whoever was giving him this, just an unbelievable. Don Don Mattingly should know he had him. He had Ramito. Exactly. Whoever whoever made the call there should have known not to do that. So, I'm not saying the run would have scored, although Rojas did single. I think it was Blade who was who was up. And then yeah. Rojas. It's like single. the situation. Anyway, changes, so. the situation. Yeah, sure. But, you know, but again, point is the way they won wasn't the most sustainable or encouraging or promising way to win. But there are 27 games left. And at this point, who the hell cares how sustainable it is, how they win. Yeah. So yep. it was a good game. They definitely needed it. And especially coming off that West Coast road trip, losing five of six, losing six of seven overall, you just got to get back in the win column. So. Yeah, encouraging game, especially for the uh, Nola performance, striking out 10 and 6 and 2 thirds, four hits, 6 and 2 thirds, pretty good. Yeah, it was a good game. So I wanted to just go over with you some things that you think should change or things they maybe need to keep doing for the rest of the season if they want to get back into the playoffs, if they want to hold this wild card spot. What are some things that need to either go differently than they did like last week or things they have to continue that they've done well any little things big things I don't know what are some so, of your thoughts I have some Rob Thompson qualms Alec Bone should not be hitting third I asked him about this before the game on Sunday I was like is there any thought to moving Harper back to third in the lineup where he was all year before he he got hurt and he was like boom you know yeah I've I've thought about it Bohm's been hitting well for us he was like he's hitting 290 or 300 in the last week or so it was actually 250 and his OPS since August 1st was 679 so he's not really driving the ball as much as you want for a guy hitting third granted Harper's not really doing that either but at the same time it is Bryce Harper and like the lineup works best when Harper's hitting third so I think they need to move Bohm out of the third spot I think he would profile well as like a number five or six or maybe you can move him up to well two would be too high but I I don't know I, it's just something about Bohm hitting third even if you're going to put somebody else there I don't know who, who that would be JT maybe right now wouldn't be terrible um but no, I think he needs to be like moved up I think yeah yeah but Bohm Bohm hitting third isn't quite doing it for me right now I was hesitant and resistant of people who were calling for this as as recently as like a week ago but i've come around kyle schwarber leading off not quite doing it for me right now either i think that's got to be bryson stott and i know i'm not the first one to give that take but i think bryson stott should be hitting lead off for the time i i would i would consider i would consider putting real muto there also yeah i think that'd be that'd be okay too yeah it's just i don't know schwarber he's you know, I guess he's hitting homers sometimes, although not as many as I feel like he was before. But yeah, I, I I don't know. He just doesn't really look all that great up there right now. He's not drawing a ton of walks. It doesn't seem like so. Yeah, I would I would put Stott, JT, whoever up there. Maybe not Gene. I like Gene more in the two hole, but he's not hitting there right now either. So that would be another thing I would change. Bryson Stott, another thing about him, my third Thompson qualm is like they've decided that he can't hit lefties for no reason. I don't know why he wasn't in the lineup yesterday. It worked out because uh, Sosa, who was playing shortstop in his place, like homered and hit a double and played great in the field, which he always does. So, but, but again, like hindsight's 2020 Bryson stop versus lefties is hitting 268, 341, 439, which is an OPS of 780 if my math is correct and against righties he's hitting 219 275 339 that slugging percentage is over is exactly 100 points worse against righties than against lefties and it's like that's one of my like major things about managers in the sport today in general is like some guys have reverse splits and they just don't acknowledge that it's like oh he's a lefty we're facing a lefty we should keep him out out of the lineup well no that's not exactly how some most how some guys work just, Granted, the just sample size to... has been smaller 
the sample size has been smaller one sec but he still had i think somewhere in the 90s played appearances against lefties so it's not that much smaller i don't know bryson stop feels like an everyday player at, at this point and he needs to be hitting against lefties and righties too which was also why i had an issue we don't need to get into this right now we already texted about this plenty but with um sands pinch hitting in that spot in the eighth inning on saturday against the giants where garrett stubbs is hitting 333 with a 1250 ops against lefties this year so i don't know i i I think there needs to be a little divergence from the whole lefties can't hit lefties concept because sometimes it's not true just wanted to add something small so you know maybe this isn't the best time to bring it up because sosa did homer off a lefty but on his career, not a ton of sample size. He's like significantly worse against lefties too. Yeah. Than righties, yeah. despite being a right-handed hitter. So yeah. And I, 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 I had no issue with the Donnie Sands pinch hit. It just didn't work. I know you didn't. He's on the team to hit against lefties. And it was a spot with a lefty. I saw some people were arguing about one specific play from a game like five days ago at this point. But I'm gonna gonna bring it back up. People were arguing that Marsh should have bunted. I don't know if you've noticed, but he can't bunt. He doesn't seem to get bunts down well. Hmm. I didn't know that about Brandon Marsh. Like, yeah, he's not that – he doesn't seem like he's that good at it. Um, And, yeah, Sands is on the team to, like, hit lefties. It just didn't work. He happened to ground into a double play. Happens sometimes. Yeah. Well, sure. Okay, my my last Thompson qualm, and then, then I'll let you have the floor is he seems to think that Robertson can throw like as many pitches as he wants to throw him out there for without losing any effectiveness whatsoever. It happened against the Mets. He had thrown 36 pitches the day before on that, on that Saturday. And then they bring him back out to get the save on that Sunday. That was like a couple weeks ago, two plus weeks ago. And he, and he blows it. And then yesterday, or sorry, Sunday, He's thrown, he throws 27 pitches in the eighth. They're all high stress because he like loads the bases with two outs. I think he walked a few guys to get there. The He throws 27 high stress in the eighth inning. And then they trot him back out there for the ninth. And his 41st pitch of the game, which was a season high, is a walk-off tour on Homer to Wilmer Flores. Which like, I, I understand that the bullpen's been taxed, but there were ways you could navigate that game and not have to do that. Like throw Coonrod for an extra few outs or put Alvarado in in that spot it's like it it feels like they've been using him as if he was the only guy left in the pen and this was the same thing in that Mets game Coonrod didn't throw because they were like this was so weird they were like we're only going to use him if we're winning or tied and it's like you were tied in the ninth inning I mean you were winning in the ninth inning it was eight to seven and you could have used him and he hadn't thrown and he didn't even throw the day before either, I think. And I get he was just coming back from injury, but they throw Robertson out there and it's the same thing happened again this past week. And it's like, he's, I get that he's been relatively healthy for his career, save for that one year he missed with the Phillies, but it's like, you can't, I mean, any pitcher, regardless of injury history, you you just can't do that. And I know Tim Kelly asked him, asked Thompson about that after the game yesterday. And he said, yeah, we're going to probably monitor that going forward. But I'm not even talking about from a health perspective. I'm talking about from an effectiveness perspective too. And it's like you, at some point guys are going to get tired and you can't keep on doing that. So I don't know. Yeah. It, it feels like they're using him like Mariano Rivera when you can't not, do that. To, but not even, not even like that. Like they're trying to use him like he's like 2016 Andrew Miller. And like, yeah, nobody can do that. People yeah. don't, people, it's just hard to do. And I also like, I somewhat do get it that like, when your decision is like, well, our closer, Sir Anthony Dominguez, is hurt, and our starter went like four innings, and we just had to use a bunch of guys. Um, it's either Robertson, who we know is good for a second inning here, or like Sam Coonrod, who has not thrown many like innings of significance this season. Like, it's not a perfect, it's like, there's no perfect option, but I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, how many times are you going to get burned by this now to realize like maybe just stick to him for 30 pitches max. Like it's probably not going to work out when you're pushing it farther than that. Free Vinny Natoli. Free him. This guy's nasty. 
Um, it seems like based on some of the moves they've made, it seems like they could have some extra bullpen help on the way. Griff McGarry up to AAA. He's was a a draft pick last year out of Virginia and has like kind of skyrocketed through the system in the last two seasons. Well, since the middle of last season. And also Zach Eflin is throwing again through a simulated game. And Sir Anthony Dominguez, who I mentioned before, um, could be on his way back soon. Eflin probably wouldn't be starting. And if he would, it'd probably be more like an opener situation. Think back to like, I don't know, 2019 when Jose Alvarez was starting quote unquote games, but he was throwing like two innings maybe. Um, So yeah, I don't know. It could make you're not you're probably not going to have to see two innings of Robertson that much anymore, uh, coming up soon because they're going to have some more guys to, to throw out there that have good stuff. What do you what do you think bullpen Eflin could look like? We've seen it like a little bit. Yeah, I I think it would probably be more piggyback Eflin than anything else. Uh, I think he'd be fine. It's I don't, like I, don't, I think is if he this was throw, earlier, in I don't his career, think he's going to throw like three to four innings per outing though maybe not maybe two three max but like if this was 2018 or 2019 i don't think it would work because at that point he was throwing what 91 90 but now i mean i don't know what it'll be like after he's back from injury but in his at least last couple years he's been up to like 94 95 it feels like he's hit 96 once or twice so that could play in the bullpen especially if you're you know throwing it as a reliever would throw it, maybe you can get up there even higher. And I think this stuff actually would, would play. I know I said kind of the opposite on a pod a few weeks ago, but I'm kind of, I like the idea. Yeah. I mean, some of Eflin in the bullpen, he did it for a little bit in 2019. um, And then in 2020, out of more necessity, he pitched out of the bullpen on the last day of the season. Well, they did it. Yeah. They did it in the final yeah, they did it in the last day of the season. The game was over. It was like six to one or six to six to zero at that point. But I think what they said after the game was they were trying to get his uh, ERA under four, and he 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 goes out there and he throws like two or three scoreless or something like that, and he looked good. Yeah, yeah. So I know I it's it can hurt having Eflin back around in any yeah. capacity. Definitely, if he's feeling good and he's able to be like I don't know 90 percent. Um, like not innings wise, but just like feels relatively healthy in the innings he's throwing. Um, that's that's gonna help. And McGarry, it seems like he'll he might be like a piggyback situation. I don't know. That's gonna be that's gonna be interesting to see whether he'll be just like a regular reliever, or is he or is he gonna be paired with someone almost like Spencer Howard was a few years ago? But yeah. I find it interesting that the way I just said a few years ago, that was last year. That's crazy. Spencer. Wow. That is crazy. I find (laughs) it. I find it. um, I find it interesting the way they've been talking about Griff the last few days. It almost feels like they've been saying more. We don't know if we're going to need him as in, we're going to get a few guys back and there might not be, but my thing is like, I feel like they could use him because he's good. Like, if they were to promote him and have him throw innings in a major league game down the stretch or in October, well, he can't play in October, but like, it feels like he'd be good and get out. So I feel like that's, that was the point. I, at least when it, this whole reliever, you know, throwing out of the pen process started, I was like, that was what I was thinking was because they think it would be, he would be effective there, but it seems like the tone has been more. We feel like we're getting guys back and we don't know if we're going to need him, but at the same time, then they promoted the triple A. So I don't know what's happening with him. I just hope that if he's ready and they feel like he can contribute, they 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 do it. And they don't say we yeah. have enough depth there because I, I like I don't think if they were to promote him right now, he would be the last guy in the pen. And they would have once they get guys back, he would be like the odd man out. Like I think he could be one of the better arms there. Yeah, I agree. And I think it makes sense to let him let him get um like an outing or two in triple a and just make sure that he's still like throwing the ball well and is getting accustomed to like the high minors and more veteran hitters but if it if it looks good like why not why not give it a shot yeah what's, I also, what's the hurt 
Yeah, I hope they don't do the whole, we don't want to like throw him off his developmental routine and make him a reliever for a month or two when he's going to be a starter long term. Because I don't know, I feel like that kind of stuff doesn't, I, I it feels blown out of proportion more often than not. Like, yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot to... of really good pitchers, really good starting pitchers came up as relievers, a lot of them. Yeah, and I think it'd be good experience for him too. Like you're now when he gets like promoted full time, he will have had if he's you know brought up this year, he will have had like playoff chase baseball experience, which is so valuable. And yeah, if he's a if he's a reliever for the next month, tops, it wouldn't even be a month. He'd be what throwing thirty pitches an outing, maybe max, and then he has a full off season and a full start start of next season to become a starter once again so i don't know i don't think it would like mess with his like growth as a pitcher and i think it'd be good experience from the mental perspective yeah so i agree I'm and he's also he's also like he's somebody with more experience i get maybe if you're a little more hesitant about someone like andrew painter who just got out of high school last year and like yeah. is in his first year um as a pro like this is a guy who pitched for a really good college program and has been He's been around for a while. He's 23 now. He pitched in in Pro Bowl last year um, at the end of the year. Like, I think he he's someone who will be able to handle like the development side of it. Yeah, me too. Anything anything else pitching wise? Like, I guess, do you think Wheeler is Wheeler going to be back soon? That's like the big question. Not that you have some inside info that nobody else on earth knows but just what's kind of your feeling on it right now hey don't don't underestimate don't underestimate me um yeah no i don't (laughs) um i don't know i feel like they were talking about this on on high hopes too it's like are are they just lying and he's actually going to be hurt for a long time because that would suck i don't think that's it like i think i i kind of believe them when they say that if he if this was like october or like the nlds or the wild card round that he'd probably make the start, which I feel like, and then he threw he threw yesterday and he felt good apparently, or maybe that was maybe maybe that's true, but it's like maybe you shouldn't plan for October and like doing things. Oh, if it was October, we'd do this, but like I don't know. I maybe don't know. Should, I mean, maybe you should know what October feels like first. Like, why don't you get there? Sure, sure. They they are three effectively four games up with twenty seven to go. It's true. Like that is it, true. I don't know. I, I I guess it's like, what's the goal here? Is the goal to make sure, like, do everything you can to get to the playoffs, or is the goal maybe win a round or two in the playoffs and then try to like maybe risk the short term more to see what they can do in the long term? Dep- depends also, on the day. It wasn't De- super it, great after after a win. After a win, it's like, ah, oh, do yeah, right, what? yeah. Can you win a round? And but after a couple losses, all right, just get there. Yeah, <laughs> it it depends. it depends if there's a new Phillies Nation pod coming out that day. <laughs> But I mean, we, I don't want to talk about Wheeler coming back as if getting him back would mean he would all of a sudden go out there and throw like eight innings, one run every start. Like he had been kind of not his usual self in the last few starts before he went down. So I think there's probably some truth to the fact that he doesn't feel his best and it would be beneficial to make sure that he does feel his best before they get him back. I'm not terribly concerned until I have a reason to be. I, at first I was in that same boat when they said he'd missed two starts and then when they said he'd missed the third start, then it's like, eh, all right, but yeah. mostly I'm with you. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think, I don't know. Again, I don't, I don't have the scoop. I wish I did, but for now I feel like he's probably fine. All right. Anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this up? Just yeah, I've, general feelings. I've, I have two things. Can we briefly, we can make this brief. Can we do the Harper thing? Because sure. which Harper? <laughs> he, the okay, he goes out for two months. They go, what was it, thirty-two and twenty? They play, they play really well. And when he's starting to near his return, everybody's like, "Oh, look how good they've been without him." Imagine how good they'll be with him. I never fully bought it, and I didn't want to say it this at the time because I didn't want to be that guy. Now I, I wish I had, but I was kind of concerned before he came back that he would come back and he would produce because he's Bryce Harper and that's just what he does. But everyone else would kind of be like, Oh, mission accomplished. We've, we've done our job. We can take our foot off the gas. We can get carried now because it's Bryce Harper. And 
I don't know if the if the West Coast trip was a little window into that, but it felt like there was less intensity. And it felt like I'm not saying Harper's come in and like ruined the vibes, but I think maybe there was some element to do you remember the Eagles in 2017? Of course you do. They 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 embraced the whole underdogs thing and they had the dog masks. And like the fact that Nick Foles was playing rather than Carson Wentz, even if Carson Wentz was at that time like the more talented quarterback or whatever, like they they rallied around not having him and they rallied around being the underdogs and not be, not allegedly not belonging where they were and making this like crazy run. And I wonder if there was some of that too when Harper was out that they were like, this is something special. We feel like we are rallying behind not having Bryce Harper, not because we don't like Bryce Harper, but because this is a challenge that we need to tackle. And they tackled it and they did super well. And when he came back, I, I never thought it was as easy as they've been X without him. They will be X plus Harper with him, you know? And I wonder if, I'm not saying they need to hold him out of the lineup to restore the vibes. I'm just saying I feel like everybody else needs to realize that mission not quite accomplished. They've been great. They can't just get carried now. Harper's still been good. I was thinking the other day, like, it doesn't feel like he's been very good. I checked his stats since he came back. He was like 333 with a 940 OPS or something like that. Granted, doesn't have any home runs, not really driving the ball. He had that extra base hit, quote unquote, yesterday that he just blooped down the left field line. But point is he's been fine he's been pretty good so it's not and and i don't buy the whole like harper's a clubhouse toxin or whatever i don't even think that that's been a thing in philadelphia or a story in philadelphia you know unless it's another fan or team trying to say that which is never or jonathan papablon you 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 get my point i don't know there was always a concern that just the fact that it was change would mess with something. And I feel like that's what it did, at least for the first week. I don't think that'll continue. I think they'll like get used to it, which feels so weird to say they'll get used to having Bryce Harper in the lineup. But point is, I was worried about this. Didn't want to say it kind of happened. Yeah. And I don't think they'll quite get that same underdog feeling now that Nick Cassianos is out for a little bit, has to kind of be somebody who's playing like Harper was the last two seasons. Um, there are a few guys who are exempt from that. Gene Segura, Bryson Stott are exempt from that. Yeah. But everybody else. Got also, so like, what about Rio Mito? Yeah. Yeah. Exempt. So it was always, that this was always kind of going to happen. That's how it works. Where like Harper is going to get back and they just wouldn't play as well. I think mm-hmm. that part of it is like, they were playing so like so ridiculously well for a really long time that they were bound to come down from it at some point a little bit, but like it's just the way these things go. Makes it more the, interesting, the, right? The the timing makes you think. Yeah, they were gonna return to the mean, but the timing of when they did, I don't know. It's fine. It, th- this isn't like a this isn't like a Ewing theory thing or a Harper's bad for the clubhouse or he's not actually that good of a baseball player because if they just didn't have Bryce Harper, like if they lost him. Next year they would be significantly worse. And what they said about the Nats, isn't it? Yeah, I I kind of realized as I was saying that. But still, I mean, I I still like stand by it, you know. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I don't know. It was just something about the fact like they were doing so well that any change was going to be not as seamless as I think it was made out to be. I think it'll correct itself. I, I don't think Bryce Harper's bad or a bad locker room presence. I just think that that's the way things happen sometimes, especially in, in, in baseball, honestly. Yeah. I think I'm with you. Um, any, any last thoughts? The only thing One I have more. is, all right, let's go for I'm it. I'm going to lay out a hypothetical. All right. You're, or, you're always good for really these. You're always good for I, these. I love yeah. these. Let's say you are the average Phillies fan. You, some, I don't know, genie or fortune teller or somebody with these these kind of powers comes to you right now and says, you can accept a 4-5 wildcard matchup between the Mets and the Phillies. The Phillies being wildcard two, the fifth seed, the Mets being wildcard three, the fourth seed. Sorry, wildcard one, the fourth seed, because the Braves overtook them in the East. Or, so so you have that set, you can take that right now. The Phillies make the playoffs. They play the Mets in the first round, or you can play the rest of the regular season out and see what happens. 
you risk missing the playoffs, you also chance getting a better matchup because I think we we're both in agreement that the Mets would be the worst possible matchup for this team. What are you taking? So I think like, I think I'm taking it. I think I'm taking it. I also taking, like taking the Mets matchup. Yeah. I also would just like, like to see that series. I think it'd be cool. Yeah. Like, but if you're the average Phillies fan, you want, you don't. Well, let's say, let's say I'm not, let's say I'm not like someone watching the Phillies say I am like, the Phillies like what would I rather do would I rather yeah. bet on myself or play the Mets from the Phillies based on the way that the Mets have kind of owned them I think I'm probably playing it out me too me too if this was if this was yesterday when they had a two game lead effectively three rather than a three game lead effectively four I might say different but at if this you point, ask me this if you ask me this on like Sunday night or Monday then I'm definitely saying that if I'm the Phillies, I'm taking the the wild card game. Yeah, against the Mets. Probably, probably. I think I think I'm playing it out right now. I I think I'm 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 both confident enough that they'll make the playoffs and confident enough that they could do something against the Cardinals or Braves that I think it's worth rolling the proverbial dice. Yeah. So all right. I guess the fun thing about it is they can't just take the guaranteed thing. So we're all gonna have to see how it plays out and I don't know if they manage to blow it, or if they'll finally crack this postseason drought. And I think either way, it's probably like going to be entertaining to follow along to, which is good. Right. I, I can agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So as the Phillies close out this season, we'll be potting every week up, up until, up until the end and then into the playoffs. So, assuming that they do manage to to break into it. So thank you everyone for listening. We'll have more for you. We'll talk to you next time.